I have 300 favorite verses. This is one of them. Psalm 95, come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. When I was in college the first time in 1968, at the University of Missouri in Kansas City, I took a class called Theater Appreciation. We had to go to several plays on campus and then write our impressions of the plays. I don't think the instructor gave anyone less than a C because, after all, it was your impression. I always got a C on my papers. One time I saw a play called The Time of Your Life by the American playwright William Serrillon. It was the first drama to win both the Pulitzer Prize for Drama and the New York Drama Critics Circle Award. The play opened on Broadway in 1939. The setting, the setting was a rundown saloon in San Francisco, and most of the action centered around a character named Joe, who encouraged many different kinds of people in the bar about the plans and the dreams they had for their lives. The play was called The Time of Your Life because it emphasized how short life is and how fast time goes. My immediate response after seeing the play was that it reminded me of two Bible verses. First, James chapter 4, verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. And then the words of the wise woman in 2 Samuel chapter 14. For we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. And for the first time and only time in that class that semester, I got an A on my paper. Maybe I should have used Bible verses more often. It is a short life, isn't it? You hear old people like me say that all the time. When you're young, you think you're going to live forever. You do. I remember thinking that. I'm going to speak for 22 minutes or so on the shortness of life. These next 22 minutes will go by fast. It may not seem like it now, but this lesson will be over very soon. The next 22 minutes will disappear, and we will never be able to get that time back. Time moves on whether we want it to or not. We can't speed it up or slow it down. As the old saying goes, time waits for no man. I've only got 21 minutes now before I'm done talking, and then I will be 21 minutes closer to my grave. My life will one day be over. Then the end will surely come, but I have no idea when. The Lord doesn't always tell us everything we want to know or everything that we think we should know. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father has put in His own power. The day of our death can come as a complete surprise. We had no control over the time of our birth, and we will have little control over the hour of our death. It will be like the coming of the Son of Man in Mark chapter 13. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. We have no idea when our time will be up, but when it comes, it will seem as if time has just disappeared and then it will all be over. When I was in eighth grade, 
I remember being in science class about one o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was shining in from the south side through the windows on my left side. And I just sat down when one of our school's cheerleaders came in the room wearing a school letter jacket. And there was a number 68 on her sleeve and I asked her what that meant. She said, that's the year we graduate from high school. It was 1964 then, the year the Beatles first came to America, and I remember telling her, that will never get here. Four years, that will never happen. To a young person, four years seems like a long time, like it will never come. But the years went by, and I graduated from high school, and then the university, the Vietnam War was still going when I got out of college in 1972, the year Spencer was born, in August. By then, the military had changed from the draft to a lottery system, and I was lucky enough to get number 84 out of 366. They went to 95 by September of 72, so to avoid the Army, I enlisted in the Air Force. I had a great time in the Air Force. It was something that I would never have wanted to miss, but also something I never want to repeat. I could tell you lots of interesting stories. I did have the opportunity to teach and baptize four people while I was in the Air Force. When I got out of the Air Force, I took the GI Bill and went to Harding College. That's the Air Force, that's Harding College. Then I got married and had three children. Then I graduated from another university, and then another, and then another. Seven universities in all. I didn't plan on going to school that long. It just turned out that way. And all of a sudden, I woke up and I was 43. Busy raising children and going to school. Time just disappeared. 18 minutes left. Lisa and I moved 18 times during the first 18 years of our marriage. I never could have predicted that would happen. Then in 1994, we moved to Arkansas, and we have lived here for the last 28 years while I worked at the nurse anesthetist at the trauma center at the Med in Memphis. If you're young, there's no way anyone can tell you how fast time goes. Like the head coach of Notre Dame, Lou Holtz, once said, I've been 21. You've never been 78. And like the song by Jim Croce, you can't save time in a bottle and then use it whenever you need it. All you can do is try not to waste it. Proverbs chapter 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. When I worked at the trauma center, I saw lots of trauma. I saw many families wailing in the hallways because their family member had been shot and had died. We worked 24-hour shifts, and one Saturday, I remember, 11 gunshot wounds came in one after the other, and then a knife stab, and then another gunshot wound, and we had freak accidents. These are some of my cases. Two young boys were throwing a cooking pot at a dog on the sidewalk, and it bounced back at one of them, and the handle stuck in his forehead. He survived for a little while, but died at the med. Another little boy poured gas on a frog and then set it on fire. The container he used exploded. They brought him in, but he died. A woman was driving by a commercial mower on the interstate when the mower hit a master lock in the weeds, knocked it through her window and into her left eye. She lost her left eye. 
That was the first time I saw an eyeball in a cup. My longest anesthetic was 14 and a half hours. It was a lady who had a flat tire on the Memphis Bridge and unfortunately got out of the car to look at it. She was hit twice, once in each leg, by two different drivers who both left the scene. She lost one leg. You do not know what a day may bring. If your car stops on the interstate, get away from it. A few years later, I had a flat tire on the Memphis Bridge on my way home. I drove 12 miles an hour all the way to West Memphis on a flat tire before I stopped at a tire store. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Yes, you're young now, and you have all the energy in the world, but no matter what happens, never forget your God. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I remember being a young man. Ask any of these old people around here if they remember being young like you. They remember. I remember very clearly being 17 years old and pole vaulting on my high school track team. I remember one track meet we had when the wind was blowing against us as we ran down the runway to jump. I wasn't the best vaulter on the team, but I loved it more than anyone else. I had more fun jumping than anyone on the team, and I still have my pole in my garage today. And to me, that's what it was all about, having fun jumping. I could always make it over 11 feet, regardless of the conditions, because I was such a slow runner. That was the only meet that I ever took first place. All the other vaulters couldn't jump against the wind, but it didn't affect me. 14 minutes left. Now I'm 71 years old, and just as time has disappeared, my energy and strength have disappeared. Just disappeared. Along with my hair and my eyesight and my hearing and my teeth, I don't bother going to the dentist anymore. Time goes faster towards the end. No one could have explained those things to a 13-year-old in eighth grade in 1964. Time slips away. There are things we need to do before it's too late. There are people we need to see while we still can walk. There are plans we need to make while we still can make plans. There are things in our lives we need to change before it's too late to make a change. There are things we need to do something about rather than just thinking about them. A few years ago, I drove to an anesthesia seminar in Boulder, Colorado. On the way, I stopped by Baldwin City, Kansas, to see an old friend I had graduated with from Harding College in 1977. I could not believe we had graduated together over 40 years ago. Our children had grown up and married and had children of their own. We were both grandfathers. The time of our lives had just disappeared. A lifetime had gone by. We used to sit around eating dinner and laughing when we were young men at Harding. Now we were grandfathers. Where did the time go? Where did 40 years go? Our lives are shorter than we like to think, and then it's all over.
the wise woman of Tekoa, came to David in 2 Samuel 14 and said, Like water spilled on the ground which cannot be recovered, so we must die. We all must die. That's a guarantee. There's no escaping that. But wait a minute, we didn't read the last part of that verse. That is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways that a banished person does not remain banished from him. What was that? That's not what God desires. He devises ways so a banished person does not remain banished from him. David had banished Absalom to live with his father-in-law away from Jerusalem because Absalom had killed his brother Amnon. This wise woman was saying that God is not like that. He finds a way to bring back a banished person. Whether this wise woman of Tekoa knew it or not, she was giving us a shadow of the gospel of Christ that was preached by Peter on Pentecost. If it was up to God alone, no one would fear death or be lost. It's God's will for all people to live forever. Ten minutes. The Lord is not slack in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. No, God is not slow. He is just being patient with us, waiting for us to respond. It's not God's will that anyone should perish, but it is God's will that everyone should repent. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? Why will you die without hope? So what's the plan? What is the way that God has made so we can avoid the fear of dying and being separated from God? The Greek word for death is thanatos. It means separation. Death is a great separation. A separation from our earthly life. A separation from our families. A separation from the last chance to do what we need to do. God said he made a way for us. He said he made a plan for us. He knows we're weak beings and we only live for a short time. Psalm 78, they remembered that God was their rock, that God Most High was their Redeemer, but then they would flatter Him with their mouths, lying to Him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to Him. They were not faithful to His covenant. Yet He was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. We are but flesh, and our lives are just a passing breeze that does not return. Eight minutes. God knows the situation we're in. He knows our time is limited. He knows we're weak creatures. He knows we constantly fail Him. He realizes that we're just flesh. Here today and gone tomorrow, we're only on this earth for a moment, and it seems that we fail that one moment that we do live. So we're in a predicament. Weak and short-lived, and not only that, we're unable to do anything about it. If anything is going to change, God is going to have to do it. 
We can't. But why should God do anything? Well, for some reason, for some unknown reason, God loves us. God loves us very much. If God was ever going to be able to love his creatures as he wanted, he himself had to make it happen. He had to pay the price that could redeem our souls from eternal destruction. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There were hints of this cost of redemption way back in the Old Testament. The animal sacrifices were a substitution for the only thing that could redeem us, and that is a perfect human life. We see those hints in Genesis 22, Exodus, 2 Samuel 14, Psalms 22, Isaiah 53, Zechariah, and 1 Kings 20. Six minutes. In 1 Kings chapter 20, Ben-Hadad, the king of the Arameans, was the cruel enemy of Israel in the north. He had tried to take the city of Samaria twice before, but he could not. The city of Samaria was built on a hill on a high plateau, and King Omri bought it from Shemer for two talents of silver in 1 Kings 16. So for the third time, Ben-Hadad got together a great army from 32 cities and their kings around him, and he marched up through the city of Samaria a third time and laid siege to it. Now the army of Israel was no match for the vast armies of Ben-Hadad. But the Lord was going to punish Ben-Hadad for his wickedness against the Israelites. So the Lord, at the right time, sent a prophet to King Ahab and told him to march out of the city right now and attack the armies of Ben-Hadad. The armies all happened to be drunk at the time they were celebrating too early. And with the Lord's help, the Israelites defeated Ben-Hadad and all his armies. Eventually, King Ahab cornered Ben-Hadad in the city of Aphek. And then something completely unexpected happens. Ahab made a treaty with Ben-Hadad and let him go. He let the evil Ben-Hadad go free. This was so shocking that the Lord sent another prophet to Ahab. 1 Kings chapter 20. He said to the king, this is what the Lord says. You have set free a man I determined should die. Therefore it is your life for his life, your people for his people. There it is. The pattern for our redemption hidden in the history of the nation of Israel. Let's change the characters. God will represent the prophet sent to Ahab. Christ will represent King Ahab. And we will represent none other than the evil Ben-Hadad. The war is now over, and Jesus says we're free to go home. God comes and speaks to Jesus and says, You have set free a man I determined should die. Therefore, it is your life or his life. We're free to go. But Jesus has to die in our place. Maybe we're not as bad as Ben-Hadad, but we're still guilty. And the cost of making us righteous is the sacrifice of a perfect human life. Christ had to die to set us free. So then how should we live the rest of our short lives? Two minutes. My lesson is almost over. 
Even when you know time is going to go fast, it goes even faster. You see how fast the time of your life goes. King David died when he was 70. President Lincoln died when he was 56. President Kennedy died when he was 46. Elvis Presley died when he was 42. Martin Luther King died when he was 39. Lou Gehring died at 37. Bruce Lee died when he was 32. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Brian Jones, Jim Morrison, and Pat Tillman all died when they were 27. Our days may come to 70 years, or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Well, it's over. The lesson is over. Now is the time to make a decision. What are you going to do with your life? Are there any changes that you need to make? If you know you need to be baptized, now is the time to do it. This is the place to do it. There will never be a better time or a better place than right here and right now. Those are not just words. If Mac Ramsey was here today, he'd say the same thing. Seize the day. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of your life. If we can help you with anything, let that be known while we stand and sing.